In the name of the true and living God, amen. Please be seated. A number of years ago before moving here, I had a life-changing experience in Silver Spring. This was when I was in college, and I was in a musical group. It was a, a singing group, and what we would do during our breaks is that we would set up a tour most of the time, our winter break and our spring break, and it was really exciting. We would sing in a different town every night, sometimes a different state every night, and we set it up so that we would often stay with hosts. Host families would put us up for one night, sometimes two. And coming to D.C. was always popular. We almost always sang in D.C. Uh, once or twice on these tours when we went up and down the coast. And one of these times during a winter tour, as we were finishing up the concert the night before, out of town from here, we saw the weather predicted there was going to be a terrible, huge snowstorm, the kind that D.C. doesn't handle well. And so we hopped into our vans, and we didn't stay with the families in that other town, but drove so that early we could spend the night with the families locally that would host us, so that we could sing the concert the next day at a congregational church in Silver Spring. And I remember how it was when the, the van that I was in arrived at, at the household of this wonderful couple who were willing to put up three of us singers for as long as it was going to be three total strangers they opened their homes to a night early. And as we were quickly trying to beat the, the storm and taking our luggage out of the vans, the big snowflakes were really starting to descend and they were beginning to stick and to cover the ground already. And we made it inside. We were nice and cozy. And then in the morning, I remember waking up, looking out of the window, I remember how still it was and how peaceful everything was. The whole neighborhood, the whole area, was just totally shut down and quiet. Except I did notice that one of the fellow singers who happened to be a native of Vermont and also happened to be an early riser, I could see him with his shovel and he'd already shoveled out the whole, garage, uh, the whole driveway. <laughs> but we spent three whole days with this family, and it was before the internet took over our lives, so we had the opportunity to play games, to do puzzles, and to have great conversations that whole time. And because there was no way to buy anything, their stores were all closed and you couldn't get to any stores anyway, we realized that every household was pretty much on its own but we saw neighbors starting to show up, neighbors coming by and just checking in on others and to see, do you have what you need? How are you doing? Fortunately, the household where we were had enough canned goods and other provisions that none of us went hungry during that time. But it was a reminder. It showed how in a good snowstorm, there is an awareness of how we are in need of one another. An event like that shows that alone, we are weak. But together, we're able to support one another in times of need. And I've seen this at other times as well and in other places, but something about that particular experience 
in Silver Spring has stayed with me forever. And I'll have to say an additional way that that was life-changing is the friendships that we made. That family are still close friends to me today. And every time I came back to D.C. since then, I would see them and sometimes even stay with them. And some of the conversations over the years with them have actually guided my life in important ways. And happily, since moving here, they've actually come and worshipped at St. John's, even though they remain faithful parishioners of their congregational church up in Silver Spring. I really believe that when we experience how we need one another, like in a good snowstorm, it is a little taste of what the kingdom of God is like. And this is how the Lord intends for us to live at all times. And Paul illustrates this powerfully in this letter that we read from the, his first letter to the Corinthians, where he uses the image of describing us as being like members of a body. And a body, he says, is not one, but many. And Paul was writing to a community that was struggling. They needed to hear this. We know that they were arguing about who was the most important and who was the least. And interestingly, this is as Paul is building up to one of the most famous passages that you hear at many, many weddings, his ode to love, where he says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or rude. And we're pretty sure that the people in Corinth were envious and they were boastful and they were rude. Paul needed to teach them. But here's what he says to them about their togetherness and their sense of belonging to each other. He says, And I cannot say to a hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. If one member of the body suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. And what Paul is saying is that while a body is bound together by bone and blood and sinew, what holds us together is the one spirit that we share. He says, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. And so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, those from Maryland and those from Virginia, those who are Republicans and those who are Democrats. We may feel apart from one another, but God lifts the veil and shows that we are not. We are one body in one spirit, and we need one another, not in spite of our diversity, but because of it. And in that oneness, we get to complement one another and share in something that is greater than any of us alone. And there is an important implied theme here as well. It's my daughter, who is a high school freshman, uh, the other day asks me uh, what I was planning on preaching about this weekend. And this is a new experience. <laughs> I, I was delighted, actually. 
And I shared with her that I was going to talk about this image that Paul explains in 1 Corinthians. And then she asked a very astute question. She said, well, but isn't it true that you can live without one of your limbs? You can live without a hand or a foot or an eye. And this is true. You can live that way, and and many people find a way to thrive, in fact, and even be whole. But the point is that God desires wholeness of all sorts for us all, in body and soul and community. And that is, after all, the literal meaning of this word shalom, the Hebrew word that we usually translate as peace. That's what we are really saying when we say to one another, peace be with you, we're saying wholeness be with you. And in the rest of the service today, you will hear the word peace, shalom, being used. And you can imagine the word wholeness being placed in there at any of those times. Well, you would think that a great pandemic would do what a snow day would do. But sadly, that is not It has not been the case. But if we wake, it still could be. We could choose it. It would be a Christian thing for us to choose to live in this way, to love our neighbors in this way, especially those that challenge us, knowing that there is something that is above us all. When Jesus goes to his hometown and he opens the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue in Nazareth, the words that he chooses to read are these. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. He has come to bring wholeness. And the way to get to this wholeness is to see that there is no other. If one person is blind, we all suffer. If one is in poverty, we are all in poverty. If one is oppressed or is a captive, so are we all. And the word we is expanded in the sight of God. Someone once said the phrase, a Christian alone is an oxymoron. And it is true. A Christian alone is an impossible concept. And it is important to say that while our gatherings here as a church on Sundays and at other times, in person and online, they are good, but they are not all that we are called to be and do. These gatherings, when we feel the Spirit flowing through us all together, serve as a reminder that we are actually called to go out and to work to build a world that is more just and more loving and more whole. We are called to build up the body of Christ and to know that we belong, each one of us, as indispensable members of it. Amen.